I understand, Lord, I need you, Jesus, I need you, and I need him. Does hope and stay have a meaning other than I hope and I stay in him? Is there like a sailing thing? Uh, I don't know anything about sailing. So. Okay. I, I thought hope and stay had a sailing thing where you, I don't know. Now somebody Google that. <laughs> um, speaking of Google, if you want to take notes on your phone, um, we have an app. You can download the app at the App Store. Our Wi-Fi here is on mission. That's the password, on mission. So go ahead and log on here if you want. You can take notes. What's cool is you can uh, then email your notes to yourself. So Lydia, our 12-year-old, has actually been doing that some. Oh, do you have your notes, Lydia? Do, do you need some? Here you go. There you go. Go take notes. And then you can email them to yourself. Uh, this morning, I want to start with prayer. Um, Alex Hall, who is the other elder here, he is in the hospital right now. He has kidney stones, seven of them. Um, wow. So you guys, <laughs> yeah, people understand some of kidney stones. So let's take a minute and just pray for, for Alex, pray for that surgery. Um, it's at one o'clock today. So pray as you feel led. And then I will wrap it up. So please pray. Father, thank you for the faith and confidence in you that Alex showed yesterday when he said he was in more pain than he's ever been in in his life, um, but yet his, his faith was strong. So I, I just pray that you would relieve his pain, that you would heal him quickly. We trust you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing our series. We have two more weeks, this week and next week, our series on, on game plan. So here's my question to start today. Who here wants to make horrible decisions in life? Anybody? Roy does. Okay. Musicians. <laughs> um, <laughs> who wants to make great decisions? Most of you. Okay. Most of you. Some of you, you won't raise your hand no matter what I say. That's okay. But yeah, most, we want to make good decisions, don't we? So here's my question. What does your decision-making process look like? Do you have a process? What's it look like? When you have a decision to make, um, I'll just... Me, my life, sometimes it's been a coin. I was actually talking to some folks right before the service. 
they've used a coin. <laughs> um, you know, and you see lots in scripture, casting lots. So you have a decision to make. Maybe you make a pros and cons list and, and you list those out, which list is longer. Um, maybe it, I had a, a friend who, who had, he had a decision and he thought he had the decision made. And he said, okay, God, if I'm making the right decision, let the next person I see be wearing an orange shirt. Um, and sure enough, that's what happened actually. Uh, but the question is, are those the, the best ways to make decisions? How do we make decisions? Uh, signs is one of those. I, I spoke to somebody actually this week who they, they had a decision to make and, and they then turned on the radio and uh, a song spoke to them. They're like, so God was speaking to me through that song. And I struggle with that going, God can do whatever he wants. But do we, maybe that is um, helpful to an already good process for decision-making. I'd say there's other things to do first and then do maybe like I've done of, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, you know, maybe, have you done that? (laughs) Just open up your Bible randomly, point at something, and that's what God's saying. I've done that. So what is, what is our, what is our process? Uh, God does communicate and we want to make good decisions And a lot of times with Christians, we see poor decision-making process or, and I've seen this one a lot. Now, plug your ears if you don't want to hear this, justifications for poor decisions. I've seen Christians make obviously bad decisions, but they justify them. They rationalize. Yeah, there's, well, okay, I have to date this non-believer because there's no good Christian guys around. And God wants me to be happy. I hear this one. God wants me to be happy and this will make me happy. So God wants me to do this. Mm, I'm not sure that's, that's great justification for our decisions. Rather than let's make good decisions st- to, to start with. And here's our big idea today. Our big idea is this. Great decision making starts with listening to God. Great decision making starts with listening to God. And so we need to be in a position to hear God. Maybe you can relate to this. Uh, we have Elise. Elise is eight. Um, and Elise can get really focused. So a couple weeks ago, Elise is, is, I think she was drawing or she was, doing her, she was doing something. I said, hey, Elise, it's time to get ready for bed. Go brush your teeth. Get, you know, all the instructions that you have to give forever. Here's all the things you have to do to get ready for bed. They forget every day. Go do these things. And then I go about doing other stuff and I come back and she's still sitting there five minutes later. And so that's where my temperature goes up a little bit. She's disobeying. At least, you know, and Lydia grabs, or Callie says, I'm not sure she heard you. Look. And she's like, you know what I mean? Whatever she's doing, she gets zoned in and everything. So I was speaking, but she wasn't hearing. I mean, not at all. And I mean, that wasn't necessarily her fault. That's just the way she gets. She gets focused on something. And so we've learned when we see that, we go up, we touch her, Elise, Elise. (laughs) Can you hear me? Look at me. What? And then, okay, eye contact. Now I know she's listening. Now I could have shared stories of me not listening to Callie, but that's never happened. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes somebody is speaking and you're just not listening. And so we will say God isn't speaking. The problem is not God not speaking. The problem is mostly us listening. Are we in a position to hear what God is saying? Because God doesn't want his plan to be a secret. He wants you to know his plan for you, and he's going to show it to you if we know how to listen. When we understand how to position ourselves to listen, we will hear when God speaks. 
So the title of today is A Word from the Coach. So picture a, a football field, picture the game going on. Now, let's not picture the head coach on the sideline. Let's look at uh, the offensive coordinator up in the booth. He's up there and he sees the whole game. He knows the game plan and he sees everything from a bird's eye view. And so when that coach speaks down through the microphone to the quarterback, hey, you know, your wide receiver on the far right is going to be open with this hook because they keep, you know, he can see something. You listen to the coach. Today, a word from the coach. Are we listening to Jesus? Are we listening to God as he speaks? Because he not only has the bird's eye view of time, of our life, but also he has the bird's eye view of his plan for us. And so we want to hear what he has to say, and we want to be in position. We want to make great decisions. Great decisions, or this is in your notes, great decision-making starts with listening to God. Great decision-making starts with listening to God. And we want to give you a process. If you don't already have one, I want to help you get a process for decision-making. So there's a story that... Uh, I was told that I think is really helpful when it comes to making decisions. I'm going to just read you. It's a very brief story. Uh, this story comes from Alan Redpath. He was a British minister in the 1950s. But he shares this story. He says, A ship approached a coastal port in dense fog. Even though the night was dark and the fog obscured visibility, the ship's captain confidently shouted the command to turn into the harbor. And the ship entered the narrow channel between rocky reefs. A passenger... Puzzled and impressed as to how the captain knew when to turn the ship, asked an explanation. The captain responded that he merely looked for three red lights, barely visible through the fog. One was at the mouth of the channel, one was at the dock, and one was in between on a buoy in the channel. When the three lights were aligned, the captain knew to order the ship to turn safely into port. In the same way, the following three, but we're going to use four, lights are signposts for choosing one's calling, or for seeing God's direction. And here's what we're going to look at. Scripture, God's fingerprints on you, circumstances, and then the last one is wise counsel. When all four are aligned, a person may safely proceed with assurance of being in God's will. So that's what we want to look at today. Four lights that if we can get these aligned, we can move forward confidently that God is leading and we are going in his direction. So the first one, Here's our four questions. The first one, now I got to tell you, a lot of this is going to be summary. The first three are summary from previous weeks, but we're putting it all together to help make decisions. The last one is new today, and we're going to get this one from 1 Kings 12. So in anticipation, you can grab your Bible. If you don't have one, there's one for you in the seat pocket in front of you or in the, the box underneath. You can grab it. You can keep it if you don't have one and turn to 1 Kings 12. It's in the Old Testament. And uh, it's okay if you don't know where it is. There's actually a table of contents in the beginning of every Bible. Look up 1 Kings and go there, 1 Kings 12. But here's our first question. Four questions. First one, is this decision consistent with Scripture? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Is this decision consistent with Scripture? Scripture really sets boundaries for life, the guardrails of life, that if we're standing between these more, God's moral will, as we find in Scripture, and even God's providential will, the things that are going to happen no matter what, we know that we're going in a good direction. So is this decision consistent with Scripture? Many decisions can be fixed with just that first question. Is this consistent with Scripture? Should I marry this non-believer? 2 Corinthians 6.14 
do not be unequally yoked to non-believers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? So no, <laughs> don't even have to pray about that when the answer's in scripture. Here's another one. Should I take this fellow believer to court? This other Christian has done me wrong. Should I sue them? I've had this one in my life. 1 Corinthians 6, 7. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? He's saying, rather than defame the name of Jesus by Christians going to court against each other, figure it out within the church. Don't take them to court. That one, you don't even really have to pray about that. It's in there. Now, different circumstances might be different, so pray about it. But is your decision in line with Scripture? Listen, greater than any sign, a lot of people, they look for signs. God, give me a sign that I'm making the right decision. A song on the radio, whatever it is, give me a sign. Uh, people find those signs in potato chips and pizzas. Look it up. It's happened. The greater sign than any of that is this. This book, this Bible is 2,000 years old, much of it older than 2,000 years. It's consistent. It doesn't disagree. It's been preserved. It's the greatest selling book ever. This is a miracle. Just so you know, greater than any other sign is this sign, this miracle. How many miracles do you have in your house collecting dust? How many miracles do you have sitting there that you could consult when a decision comes to be made. This is the greatest sign that we have. So is your decision consistent with scripture? If we're not going to this and we wonder why God's not speaking, I'll tell you why, because we're not listening. All right, here's the second question. Is this decision consistent with God's fingerprints on me? This is what we looked at two weeks ago where we had a get spiritual gifts test, a personality test that you can take. They're still on our Website, you can take those. But how has God made you? He's given you a gift. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's given you a personality. He's placed you where he's placed you. How has God made you? And so is this decision consistent with how God has made you? The best example I can have, and, and she's not here, but I'm going to talk about her anyway. Uh, Mary, we had youth group two weeks ago, and we were talking about this. Um, and Mary is a senior, and she's trying to figure out where to go to college. And so that's her big, and that's a big decision coming up. Several of you have that decision coming up. And so she said, where do I go? And, and so we listed the four schools she's thinking about, and we did a pros and cons list, and we're going through that. And I said, now, what are your spiritual gifts? God, what, what are God's fingerprints? She says, I think I have the gift of evangelism. Said, okay, so let's look at this list. One of these is a Christian school. And she, part of her was feeling, well, a good Christian should go to a Christian school. I said, well, not necessarily. You go to one of these other schools, you have more opportunities to use your gift of evangelism. And that was helpful for her to think about, how has God made you? And so that's just one little example. But how, what are God's fingerprints on you? Use that in making decisions. Question number three, do current circumstances and opportunities point toward this decision? Do current circumstances and opportunities point toward this decision? How often do we attempt to force something that doesn't fit? The picture that I got as I was going through this was, uh, you remember when we were kids and there was that, I think it was red and blue and it had the star shape and the round shape and it was the game to take the shapes and put them in, um, plastic and then maybe not. Well, ever try and take the square one and put it in the circle? And it doesn't fit, so you just take the thing and you bang it until it goes through. <laughs> Sometimes we want something. 
Here's, we have a decision. We want this. And circumstances, they don't really fit, but this is really what I want. So I'm going to force it to fit. And I think very clearly, a lot of times that is stepping outside of what, what God would have for you. Is there a decision and you are trying to force it? Here's an example. You're not going to like this one. Is there a car you can't afford, but you really want? And so you go get a loan to buy a car you can't afford. So we can't afford this. It's way too much for us, oh, but we can finance it. Or a house. And I've, I've spoken to people that struggled with this one, where they wanted a house and all the signs said, no, you can't afford it, this and that. No, they force it, and then they got in big trouble with the house. How, how often do we do that? Uh, now, Dave Ramsey, if you ever listen to, to Dave Ramsey, he's the one, I hear, see some clapping. He would say, if you're going to buy a house, get a 15-year loan, not a 30-year, fixed rate, and your monthly rate should be no more than 25% of your take-home pay. That's pretty good advice. And so if it's above that, you can't afford it. But sometimes we really want something, don't we? Or maybe a relationship we know is just not right, but oh, we're going to force it. So do current circumstances and opportunities point toward this decision? Now, our last one, and this is our, our main focus today. The last question we're going to find in 1 Kings 12, 1 through 5. We're going to be looking at a guy named Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam is Solomon's son. Rehoboam is the fourth king of Israel. The first one was Saul, who God had to get rid of him. The next one was David, arguably the best king to ever live. He was called a man after God's own heart. Solomon was David's son, started out great, ended not so great. And Rehoboam is Solomon's son. Now, near the end of Solomon's life, he had made some poor choices. He had gone away from God. He had, I don't know how many wives and concubines, but a lot, hundreds. And they pulled him away from God. And he started going their way and letting them set up things to worship their gods. And so God had to, to judge Israel for the king's folly there. But Jeroboam now is taking over. Solomon has just died. And Jeroboam is taking over. His son is going to become king. And he has a decision, I mean, immediately. He goes, he's crowned king. Now, big decision. What do you do when you have a big decision? And so let's look at Rehoboam. Look at chapter 12. We're going to start with just verses 1 through 5. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, and Jeroboam returned from Egypt. Okay, a little background. Here's this guy, Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a, a pretty smart guy, a pretty talented guy, and Rehoboam's dad, Solomon had recognized that in Jeroboam. And so he took Jeroboam and he placed him over all the forced labor. So the slaves, all the slaves of Israel were all under this one guy, Jeroboam. He was in charge. Big job. There were a lot of slaves, a lot of forced labor. So he had a big role to play. Well, because of some, some of Solomon's sin, there was kind of a falling out between Jeroboam and Solomon. And so Solomon sought to, to kill Jeroboam. God had a plan for Jeroboam, so he let him go to Egypt safely. Well, now Solomon's dead. Jeroboam comes back, and Jeroboam is going to speak for these, these people, these forced labor. He's going to speak for them to the new king, saying, hey, I think you need to change your policies a little bit for things to go well moving forward. And so look at verse 3. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, 
Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. So they said, your dad, Solomon, made our life difficult. If you make our life a little bit easier, we will serve you. So these are, there's a lot of people. They're saying, grant us this request, and we will be your servants. You will be a good king. We will follow you. We will do what you ask. And so Rehoboam has a choice. What's his choice right here? It's either to continue the way his father had, making their yoke hard. It's granting their request, making their yoke easier. Or I guess there's a third one, make their yoke even harder and, and put himself as a very strong, firm king. No, I'm the one in charge. I get to call the shot. So a big decision immediately after taking the throne. What's he going to do? Look at verse 6. Uh, sorry, verse, verse 5. He said to them, go away for three days and come again to me. So the people went away. Uh, I think there's a point here. I think Rehoboam did something very good here. He sent them away for three days. He didn't make the decision right then. Here's a, here, this is big. This isn't even really in your notes, I don't think. <laughs> Maybe it is. Um, any decision that needs to be made right now is an immediate no. In general, if you need to make the decision right now, it's not, a, it's somebody's forcing you into something. Timeshare presentation. <laughs> Here's the deal, and you have to sign it before you walk in five minutes, and you know what? No, <laughs> I don't have time to do the work on it. No, any decision that needs to be right then is, is a no. Uh, and so Jeroboam, he made a good choice here. He said, we're going to wait. Three days, come back. Now look at verse six. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? They said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them, by the way, that's what a good leader does, serves others. They said, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. So he sought counsel from the wise men. Again, I'd say this is a pretty good choice. He goes to the men who had advised his father, who had been given wisdom from God, and these were his counselors. And they counseled him to actually do different than his father had done. They said, grant this request, make their life a little bit easier, and they will serve you. And so this brings up the fourth question that we need to ask. Is this decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? When you have a decision to make, is your decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? Thomas Kempis, he was a theologian in the 15th century. He wrote this, who is so wise as to have perfect knowledge of all things? Therefore, trust not too much to your own opinion, but be ready to hear the opinions of others. Though your own opinion be good, yet if for the love of God you forego it and follow that of another, you shall more profit thereby. And this is consistent with Proverbs 15, 22, which is written by Solomon, Rehoboam's dad. And he wrote this, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So this is the fourth one. Is this decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? What's our big idea today? 
how to make great decisions. Great decision-making starts with listening to God. So put yourself in a position to hear him. Seek counsel. Rehoboam does that, but let's look. Look at verse 8. Then what happens? But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him, and he took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise me that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father has put upon us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus you shall speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Now, Whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke to Ahijah, the Shelanite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, we see in that last verse that God has a plan going on here. But we see Jeroboam, he had two counselors. He went to the wise old men that counseled his father. Then he went to his high school buddies. It says the guys he grew up with, the people his age, the people with his experience level. He went to them and said, what do you guys think I should do? They gave him the opposite counsel. And who did he listen to? He listened to the young men. Now listen, listen to this. This is key. The people you listen to are a, pre are a preview of where you're heading. Excuse me. The people you listen to are a preview of where you are heading. He listened to the young men. The old men had been around. They had seen some things. They counseled him to even do, go lighter than his father had. He went heavier than his father had. He listened to his friends. This is the next note. The people you listening to, who you are listening to are a preview of the future you. Who you're listening to are a preview of the future you. Where do you go to for advice? Gossip magazines, Facebook, the news. Who do you go to? Who are you listening to? Because whoever you're listening to, they are a preview of the future you. Do you want to be like them? Do you want to be in the position that they are in? And here, Rehoboam, he's listening to people in the same stage of life as he is. They had no more experience. He listened to them rather than these other men. He listened to them. I think this is very applicable to us. Parents, who do you go to for advice? This, this is one that I've struggled with. I, you know, somebody is giving me parenting advice. Their kids are raised and gone, and they're a mess. <laughs> you guys are laughing. But they think they know a lot about parenting, but they were awful at it. I'm not saying you don't listen to that person, but listen with some accurate judgment. Okay, here's what you did, and here's the result. Not, you know, it's not always with parenting, hey, our kids are going to make choices. So not everything we do is going to have a, a perfect result. But who are you listening to? Married couples, 
Who do you go to for marriage advice? Are you listening to the person that's been divorced three times? Or the person that is unhappily married? Or are you listening to a godly couple that love one another that you want your marriage to be like theirs? Here's, here's what I've seen often. When marriages are having trouble, you know who the woman is normally listening to? Mom or her girlfriends or a combination of the both. And I'm not saying that's bad in general, but th- that's where they're going. And so they're hearing, mom, and do, they want, do you want a marriage like your parents? Now, there's parents and there's kids in the room, so don't, don't say. Um, <laughs> but if you want a marriage like your mom's, listen to your mom. Or your girlfriends, are, do, do you get around and you just complain about your husbands? Guess what? If they're getting there and they just complain about their husband, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get their counsel. <laughs> Honestly, I'll get around somebody who speaks highly of their husband, who loves their husband, they have a good marriage, listen to that person. Share with that person and listen to what they have to say. Now, with men, here's, here's what often happens with men. They're listening to nobody. <laughs> Isn't that how we do it? <laughs> We, we don't listen to anybody. We know. We'll keep it in. Maybe we'll read a book. I don't know. Men's Magazine. There's great articles in there, I'm guessing. <laughs> We're not listening to anybody. So who are we going to for counsel? Now, you, this may sound like judgment, like you're judging other people, but it's not. It's discernment. It's discernment. Who do you go to for financial advice? Will you go to a financial advisor whose office is in his basement because he can't afford, and yeah, I mean, no, you're going to go to a financial advisor who is doing what he's advising you to do and has shown success, right? That just makes sense. And everybody gives financial advice. Who are you listening to? So that's the fourth question. Is your decision consistent with wise, godly counsel? Let me tell you a tendency I've seen repeatedly, dangerous. You have a decision to make, but you know what you want to do, so you'll find people to give you the advice you want. I've seen this over and over and over. So I have a decision to make, and I go to Steve, and I say, Steve, what do you think? I think this. <laughs> I don't like that one. I go to Alan. Alan goes, ah, I think this. Oh, man, not the same as Steve. Bad. Uh, I go to Jason. Same. Oh, man, finally. Okay, Paul. What? Oh, I think this. Oh, that's what I wanted to hear. I'll go that way. So, and I've seen this over and over. That you go and you get, here's the counsel. Oh, sounds like that's in line with the word. Oh, here, and then finally, somebody who agrees with me. And then I can find maybe a couple others. That is not good decision making. That is just getting people onto your side and make you feel good about a bad decision. Who are you listening to is a preview of the future you. When we had our very first vision meeting for Common Ground, you know, I, I, I knew the call on me, and I had already felt that from, from wise counsel and, and asking people. So we had our first vision meeting. We got together. Okay, God, what do you want to do with this church we feel you, you forming? Common Ground, or uh, Carson City area does not need another church. It needs a different kind of church, one that is going to do up in and out. How are we going to do this? Well, we had Bob Burroughs there. If you guys were here in December, you heard him teach on marriage. Bob is in his 60s. Uh, Bob has planted churches. He is a, an experienced pastor. We brought him to be part of that. P.J. Lewis, somebody else who is involved in successful ministry like we want to do at a church in Fresno. He, we, you know, we brought him up. He traveled all the way up here to be part of that meeting. So it wasn't just us with our peers going, okay, what do we do? We brought in outside sources, 
that were do, had done what we wanted to do and said, give us your input. Wise counsel. Uh, this last year, so, you know, Callie and I, uh, we haven't done a whole lot of retirement savings and, and planning, and, and that's a lot my fault. But so one of the things that we've thought about is, okay, how can we start actually investing in our future so we can help our next kids go to college and things like that? Um, this year, there was a, an opportunity. I got a call. There's a duplex that just came on the market. Great deal. I mean, it's not even on the market yet. You can get it. You can get it now. Great. And I looked at it. It's like, that is a great deal. That would just about cash flow. Great. Well, um, I, it's one of those decisions that had to be made fast. And so often, you know, slow down on that. So I called somebody who knows the Bible, meaning they know what, they understand stewardship, biblical stewardship with our time, talents, and treasure. I called somebody who understood biblical stewardship, somebody who was successful in real estate investment and doing those things. And I said, here's the opportunity. What do you think? And they said, well, they asked some questions and looked at this and we came to the conclusion we don't have enough cash flow in our own lives to afford if something happened. Yes, it's a great deal, but it's not a good decision right now. So we had to let that go. My first tendency would be jump on it. It's an opportunity and you know, I'm almost 40 and we need to plan on this. We need to do something. But wise counsel said, no, that'd be stupid. Now there's been times where I hear wise counsel, no, that'd be stupid. I do it anyway. And sometimes they were right and sometimes they were wrong. But who are we going to for wise counsel? So the question is, do you have people in your life that you go to for counsel? Who are your advisors? Who are your counselors? If you don't have any, you need to find some. So here's, a, here's our illustration for, for today. Traffic light. We understand a traffic light. We see them every day. We're driving along. Red light, stop. Green light, go. Yellow light does not mean go faster. It means slow down, right? <laughs> Yellow light means slow down. So think about this. When you have decisions to make, when do you know it's a green light? I would say when you can go through all four of these questions and you can check them off, green light, move forward. Is this consistent with the Bible? Yes. Do circumstances line up? Yes. Does wise counsel say yes? Does this align with God's fingerprints on me? Yes. Then move forward confidently and faithfully. Sometimes, listen, sometimes... All of those things line up, but then we're too scared to act. We're too, uh, but it's still risky, whatever. Move forward. If all those things line up, green light, go. Now, if you go through these and there's some blatant, and often it's going to be with the first one, scripture, you have a decision to make. You don't know scripture. Maybe you get wise counsel and they say, well, the Bible says this, obvious this way, red light, stop. Even if you really want it, if, if any of those is an obvious no, stop. If you go to wise counsel, and they say, you know what? I know you. I know the situation. Here's what I think. You should listen to it. It doesn't mean they're right. Listen. It doesn't mean they're right because they're not in your shoes, but you should listen and, and pay it to mind. And if you're not having those counselors, get those counselors. Now, I would say this. If you start going through these and it's not obvious green all the way through, it's not a red light, but it's a yellow light. Meaning you, you go through these, you know, is this consistent with scripture? I'm not sure. Well, then yellow light, slow down. We'll find out what the Bible says. Okay, it looks like it's in line with scripture. I, I want to do this. I think it's in line with, with how God made me, uh, but I haven't gotten any counsel yet. Get counsel. Yellow light till you get some counsel. Find some, if you don't have any, maybe come talk to me. I'll help you find somebody who can help you in that area. Um, 
Find counselors and seek them out. Yellow light until you get wise counsel and then go. Uh, I think one of the notes that I made here as I was going through this, red lights are a sign that God loves us. Do you realize that? When God says no, that's a sign that he loves you. Parents, we say no all the time, right? Often, it's selfish, but most of the time, especially when they're really little, we say no because it's a good thing. Hey, can I touch this burning oven? No, you'll get hurt. We love our kids. I really want, you know, you have a strong-willed kid. I really want to. Okay, do it. You're right. I would have protected you. Red lights are signs God loves us. So when we get a red light, accept it. It might not be what we want, but accept it. But if it's a yellow light, again, these four questions are huge, so helpful. Use them. If it's a yellow light, slow down. Now, here's the other note that I made this morning as I was going through this. If you have doubt, you have a decision to make, you're not sure you have doubt, that's a yellow light. That's not a red light, but that's a yellow light. If you have doubt, slow down. Faith, listen, faith is not moving forward on anything. Because I've heard that. Well, we just need to move forward in faith. Yes, we do. Have you asked these four questions? No. Then don't move forward in faith yet. Go through these four questions. And if you feel God leading, then it's faith to move forward. That's what faith is. Faith in Hebrews is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So faith is acting on what you know God has said. Faith is not acting on what you think maybe God might say or what you think you want. Faith is moving forward on what you know God wants. Green lights don't mean it's going to be easy. Often it's going to be very, very risky. Maybe God wants you to move somewhere, start a new job, whatever, and everything lines up. That's risky. Maybe there's something in ministry God wants you to do that's risky. It's not going to be easy, but still move forward. That's faith. When you move forward, trusting him on something he's shown you to do, that's faith. So green light, guess what? Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but green light means you're within God's will. That's exciting. And God can do great things with that. So move forward with God's will. The conclusion is this. God desires you to make the best decisions possible. Do you know that? God loves you more than you love you. God loves you more than you want you. God wants you to make better decisions than even you want to make you to make. Hmm. (laughs) God wants you to be successful. He wants to show you the right way to go. If we're in a position to listen, we will make wise choices. Let me pray and let's worship. Father, thank you that you love us more than we love us. Thank you that you desire for us to make good decisions. Thank you that you want us to be in your will, moving forward for your glory, empowered by your spirit. Thank you for that. I pray that uh, if any of us here right now have decisions to make, that we would employ this. We would take these four questions, we would ask them honestly, and we would listen to you. And I do ask, God, some of us have decisions to make. I pray that if we have a green light, we would move forward boldly trusting you. I pray that we would take it seriously, God. If it's a yellow light and we need wise counsel, show us who to ask. Show us where to go. Let us make wise decisions 
in line with you because if we do, we're going to be in line with your will. We're going to be going your direction and then you're going to do great things in and through us. We want that for our families. We want that for our kids. We want that for this church and our community. Use us for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.